CalCast is delivered by FedEx, our presenting sponsor. FedEx provides shipping solutions that enable businesses to process shipments quickly and easily. See how FedEx can help your business grow. Visit FedEx.com slash e-commerce. That's FedEx.com slash e-commerce. This is Coach Cal doing another CalCast. Today's conversation is with Mr. Philip Knight. Phil Knight, founder, CEO, head cheerleader, cultural director, leader, coach of Nike. One interesting person. And you have to want to know, like, wait a minute, how did this thing all start? When you see him or you're around or you hear an interview and he doesn't do many, he used to have the black sunglasses on and black and, you know, and again, let me say this, he has some of the nicest suits at the Hall of Fame when he was inducted. Enshrinement at the Hall of Fame, a great suit, tennis shoes, tennis shoes, he did not have... I don't think he owns anything but tennis shoes. He is the leader, cheerleader, coach, motivator. He drives the culture. Someone said, how in the world, even the Nike people that I know, how in the world did you get Phil Knight to do a podcast, to do an interview with you? And it's not really an interview. We're just conversing. I sent him a text. And I said, PHK, that's how he'll sometimes, when we text back and forth, that's how he'll sign his, PHK. I've got a new podcast. Will you come on and do it? We'll, t- we'll spend 15, 20 minutes. He said, sure. And it was around the time we played North Carolina, so he responded after the game. And I'm like, did you respond yes because we won? Would you have done it if we lost? So we ended up hooking up. And talking for about 20 minutes. And I'll tell you what. His new book, Shoe Dog, you have to read. Shoe Dog is the path through Nike, the thought of Nike, to the 1980s. My hope is he writes another book because this book, he it was almost 400 pages and it just went up to 1980. And not one page did you like page through? Okay, I'm, I'm not reading that chapter. No, you read every chapter because they were so tied to one another and you wanted to know where is this thing going? And some of it was, how in the world did he get that company where it was when this is what I'm reading? The beginning, you know, talking about growing up in Oregon, talking about his mom and dad and how he was. Uh, I needed to see how in the world did he win over Penny? Penny is like the the strength the behind that power couple. Penny is like, wait a minute, beautiful woman. How in the world did Phil Knight, when he had no money now, I'm not talking Phil Knight now, shoes, you know, come on. Phil Knight now? No, I'm talking when he had nothing. You need to read how he met his future wife. Some great stuff about how he started as a shoe dog 
for Tiger out of Japan, more of a running shoe. And he was the salesman. He was the distributor. He was the guy, and he had nothing, but he acted like he did to get them to say, we're going to go with you as the distributor in the United States. And when they started pulling back on him, and he had a company of people, that's when they started Nike. It was out of necessity. It wasn't, we're going to come up with another shoe. It's like, guys, we got this whole infrastructure. We have people relying on us. We have jobs relying on us. And guess what? We're not going to have anything to sell. The lady that drew up the swoosh, the Nike swoosh, was given stock as part of, because they gave her 25 bucks to do it. You'll hear how much she's worth today in the, the stock that they gave her. The culture, which is the most important thing for him, he talks about 50,000 employees. We talk about coaching, and, and let me tell you why. I heard his speech at enshrinement of the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. And he talked about his coaching. Let me tell you what I said to myself sitting there listening. If any of my players would say three sentences of what he just said, and he talked five, ten minutes about Coach Bowerman, I would be the happiest man in the world and say, you know what, I did my job. I think through Coach Bowerman, his love of coaches in all sports, he is the ultimate. He wants to be at the World Series. He wants to be at football games. He wants to be with the Ducks. He wants to be basketball. He was at our national championship game. He sat in my seats in 96 behind my bench when we played Kentucky and got beaten. And Penny said, you know, you really scream a lot. Penny. I was like 33 years old. I was screaming for my life. I was dying. Um, this thing talks about the obstacles and the bumps. There were a couple times he was fighting to meet payroll. That checks bounced. That some banks moved some money. Some different things happened. He talks about it. I think it's a conversation that if you're in business or you're in sports or you wear Nikes or you are part of that environment, the shoe environment, you need to listen to this conversation. Folks, when I find out something good, I hate keeping it to myself. I got to tell you, I think Papa's hit another one out of the park. Have you had an opportunity to try Papa John's new stuffed cheese sticks yet? Papa John's stuffed cheese sticks are baked in a cheesy, gooey goodness and served with sauce for dipping. Get the bacon cheddar or Wisconsin cheese for just $5 each. They'll go perfect with your pizza. You can get two large, two-topping pizzas for $8 each. And you can order them online at papajohns.com. So I ordered some on Papa John's app a few minutes ago. And I got a chance to try them out with my crew. Wow, you heard Aaron talking about them, and we got them. If you're a fan of bacon cheddar cheese and garlic butter dipping sauce, you're going to love these. 
better ingredients, better pizza, better stuffed cheese sticks, Papa John's. I'm telling you, you got to try them. And while we're talking about really good books, success is the only option. The art of coaching extreme talent. Yes, that's my book. Finding extreme talent. You're in a business. You want to find extreme talent. You want to recruit extreme talent. Well, I have a recruit on the campus last week, and what I talked to him about is not ego, not shots, not minutes. It's aspirations. I have other players come in the room and tell the young man how hard this is to be here, that this isn't for everybody, that you're going to be with other really good players who are going to challenge you every day. If you're in this only to get shots and be a part and chase and go play a 2-3 zone and do, you're not coming here. What about motivating extreme talent? We talk about it in the book. Part of it is letting them know I'm with you. That if we lose, I'm taking responsibility. So you can let it fly. You can try things. You can fail fast. And the other thing is I'm not afraid to coach and help add to what you are and what you're about. How about helping them create new habits? We talk about that. And then lastly, servant leadership, my Catholic faith, and how I try to really impart, not my faith, but being about other people, Be, which I think means being a great teammate. You're about everybody else. You make your life about everybody else, it becomes a little bit easier. Now, that mouthful being said, I'm going to do it again, talk about my book. If you haven't gotten it for Christmas, you get it for the New Year's. Go out and get that book for the New Year. And I think if you're in, you're leading, you're involved with other people, you want to try to get the most talented group of people together, and let's see how special we can get without fighting one another, without worrying about one another, without working against each other. I think if you read this book, you'll enjoy it. But... This conversation with Philip Knight, my good friend, my godfather, the guy that started a company from nothing to making it what it is today, the behemoth that it is today, the nimble company that is part of when I say to you, what's next? And let's make sure we're first at it. That's a Nike motto. That's where I got it from. I don't ever give credit, but I will give credit for that. Here's a great conversation. Today, I have uh, one of the true competitive spirit, culture-changing leaders in this country Philip Knight from Nike, the CEO, founder, and whatever else you want to say, the cultural leader of a company that has exploded on the scenes. Um, we go back a ways, and um, Mr. Knight, I've got to tell the story. I was 32 years old. Nike finally called me and said, we'd like you to wear Nike shoes. I'd been coaching for four years. I had been in Brooks. Um, I was wearing LA gear. The problem was they lit up, you know, they lit the bottoms. It was a problem. 
I was with Adidas for a year. You ready? They didn't know I was with them. They didn't even know I was with them. <laughs> Your guy calls me and says, we'd like you to be with Nike. I, I was shaking on the phone. So finally that year, I get to go to the Nike suite. The Nike suite. The Nike suite, when you're a basketball coach, is like, you want to be able to get to the Nike suite. I go up the elevator. I get off the elevator. I'm walking in the lobby near the elevator because I'm embarrassed to go in the room. I'm sweating. And the door opens. The elevator opens and out walks Mr. Phil Knight. I look at him, and I don't know to say hello. I don't know what to say. He looks at me. I'm one of his coaches. I'm finally, I made Nike. And he looks at me and says, can you take me to the Nike suite? He thinks I'm the bellman. Did this not happen, <laughs> Mr. Knight? It's absolutely a true story. But the thing was, the thing that you left out is you were really well-dressed, and you were a hot coaching property, but you hadn't had your picture taken out west, and I hadn't seen a picture of you, so I didn't know who you were. And you had this Armani suit on with fully pressed and tie. Says, Our coaches don't dress like that. We have Bayheim and those guys. <laughs> So, so naturally, I didn't think you were a Nike coach. Yeah, and I walked you to the and door. That's the way we met. That's the yeah. way we met. And I walked you to the door before I told yep. you, by the way, Mr. Knight, I'm one of your coaches. And you just bust out laughing and looked at me. Hopefully, that's why you remembered me. That's you, know, you saw me on trips. I remember you. You're my bellman. <laughs> well, it is a true story. Now, can I give the other one? Sure. Where you're in, you're in the Hall of Fame? You yeah. and Penny are there, and I go up yeah. to you, and you grab me, and I hug you. I'm so happy for you, and you look at me, and you say, well, you know what's great about this? Do you remember what you said to me? You said, I'm in here before you. That's what's great about this. <laughs> well, there was a certain incongruity in that whole thing, wasn't it? That uh, I'm there, and you're not, but you're there now, too. <laughs> well, we had some fun. Um, let me, yeah. you know, I, I've got to, I want you to talk about the book, because for anybody out there, that knows you a little bit. You're very private. Um, there are things that unless you're in your family, and I mean immediate family, you just wouldn't know because you never talk about you. You talk about Nike. You talk about the culture. You talk about your people. This book, Shoe Dog, talked about you. And I had to call you after and say, I can't believe you did this. I can't believe you yeah. opened this way. I mean, yeah. what made you do it? Well, that, uh, that I've been asked to, to do the, uh, the book, my story about Nike, for literally 20 or 30 years, and I never wanted to do it uh, for kind of some of the reasons that you point out, that I'm basically a private person and I just didn't really have any desire to do it. But yeah, I finally got to a point where I said, you know, people are going to write a lot of stories over the years about Nike, and it's kind of a shame they don't see it through my eyes. And, and literally, I dedicated the book to my grandchildren because that's what I thought. They're going to learn about Nike through somebody else. So I said, I really think maybe I better do it. And I better do it now if I'm going to do it. And, uh, but I had had a couple of writing courses at Stanford, and I knew if I was going to do it, I had to reveal kind of my whole self or, or not do it at all. And um, so that's kind of how I came to grips with it. And three years and eight drafts later, it became a book. Wow. It took that long. Yeah. Yeah. It's a hard process. Can I, can, how about we talk about the trip you took out of college? Yeah. 
where you traveled to just be, I, there's no way. And I would have never thought that. And I know what you did and why you did it was amazing to me. Yeah, it, uh, it probably took a little more courage in those days than it went today when you have, uh, you know, the jet airplane uh, was just starting. The first jet airplane trip I took uh, on that trip, and uh, that uh, the 707, the Boeing 707. Before that, it was all the year before that, it was all props. And uh, but uh, I had uh, a, a classmate of mine had done that the year before me, graduate when he graduated from Stanford, and, and uh, it, he said, "I want to take this trip around the world uh, before I go to work for 40 years." rather than go to work for 40 years and then take the trip around the world. And that made a lot of sense to me. And then when I took a small business class, I got the idea of, uh, of making athletic shoes in Japan. So the two sort of came together. And, uh, yeah, that was a little out of character as well as the book. But uh, I decided that if I was going to do it, I had to do it now, and uh, I better go. Why don't you tell a couple of the things like that you stopped to see and some of the things you did? Well, I mean, obviously, uh, the, uh, the main thing was uh, – when I called on uh, Nitsicker Company Limited to see about being a distributor for their shoes in the United States, and uh, that was just a cold call, and I'm not a natural salesman at all. I had stopped in Hawaii for a few weeks and decided to defer some expenses by selling encyclopedias door to door, and I never sold a single encyclopedia. <laughs> so that was me walking into the Japanese factory, and uh, I walked in, then the factory, and uh, the whole entire accounting department got up and bowed to the big foreign buyer. And I thought, oh, shit, I mean, I get out of here alive. But, um, you know, they were just starting to think about selling in the United States. And so uh, we shook hands and, uh, you know, I ordered some samples. And that was the start of that. And then I kind of had to decide, do I want to go back right now or not go? So I said, I better just kind of keep going. And, yeah, it was a very, very eye-opening trip that uh, – that, uh, that, uh, I went to uh, to Thailand and to Vietnam, where it was just uh, starting to uh, heat up down there. And uh, it was a, Saigon was a beautiful city. And then I went into India and uh, went out to the Ganges, the holy places there. And uh, then I went to Kenya and uh, saw Mount Kenya. And uh, it was uh, it was a very eye opening trip that uh, I'd never been out really outside the United States before that trip. And uh, it was as good a part of my education as anything. How old were you? How old was, were you? I then? was twenty four. Wow. It's amazing. Let me, let me let me just throw this and you know uh, you and I laughed uh, when I said the the amazing thing is people look at Nike now billions and ahead of the curve and um, uh, stays the course and keeps pushing and uh, always challenged. But there were times where you guys were up against it, uh, making payroll. Um, one of the companies calls back or one of the the distributors. And says, "Wait a minute, the checks are bouncing." I mean, I mean, I read this. I had to read it like three times. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, there were a lot of dark moments. That uh, that uh, yeah. One time we had to sell uh, three thousand dollars worth of stuff at a PE convention to meet payroll. Another time we had to borrow five thousand dollars from a box manufacturer to meet payroll. And then uh, one time the uh, bank and we had uh, regional banks uh, for some of our smaller. Uh, either retail outlets or, or uh, warehouses. And for one reason, the uh, one of the banks uh, started bouncing bounce our checks, which caused other checks to bounce. So we had a very, very dark moment and got kicked out of the bank and uh, struggled uh, mightily. But uh, somehow we uh, we hung in. What? Why Why never quit? I mean, wh what led you to believe, I'm not too bad, let's go? Well, I think that, uh, first of all, uh, 
we were increasing our sales. We were doubling our sales every year. I mean, that wasn't a, a big number. We went from $8,000 to 40000 to 80000 to 150000 to 300000 We knew we were making progress, and we really felt we could sell way more than the bank would let us bring in and bring in because uh, the bank would put a limit on our credit. But uh, so we were encouraged by uh, the progress we were making there. And it was, uh, it was, uh, I've been a CPA for four years. It was a lot more fun than doing that. So that, uh, and then uh, I had a really great uh, professor of entrepreneurship. And uh, he had a, a motto that he said really almost every day in class is the only time you must not fail is the last time you try. And I just kept remembering that and going forward. Well, some of the stories of you and Penny in the house figuring out, like, what are we going to do? I mean, uh, incredible. Let's take a quick time out because I know we've got a lot of listeners that either own or work for growing businesses and need to hear this. If you're hiring, do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? You see, posting your job in one place isn't enough to find quality candidates. If you want to find the perfect hire, you need to post your job on all top job sites, and now you can. ZipRecruiter is a search engine for finding and posting jobs, and already 9 million resumes can be searched through their database. You can find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. Just post once and watch your qualified candidates roll in to ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. And if you have any issues, Zip Recruiter's friendly and human support staff is ready to help. Right now, my listeners can post jobs on Zip Recruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash CoachCal. See for yourself why Zip Recruiter has been used by over 1 million businesses. Again, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash CoachCal and post your jobs for free. All right, let's take a little break. Um, Got to show some love to Blue Apron. You know, if it were any other color, I probably wouldn't have them on this show. But Blue Apron, yes. Ellen! Ellen's going to do, you know, she does the Blue Apron ads. So here she comes. All right, here's Ellen. I got together with my family over the holidays and enjoyed some great meals. I love that time together. So many of my memories are around family around the table and the smell of a home-cooked meal. That's just one of the reasons why I love Blue Apron. Cooking together builds strong family bonds, and research shows that Blue Apron families cook nearly three times more often. And you cook and I eat, but I cook with you. I've done a couple meals with you. All right, what was the last meal we had? Uh, This time we had little blackened catfish with Veracruz sauce. You know, I love catfish, and I love blackened, so it was pretty good. What else was with it? Uh, it was very easy to prepare. Uh, it had some peeled tomatoes, celery. Uh, it was very good, very easy. Everything's very fresh and uh, measured out, and it just makes it I like the easy. portions, too. Yeah, everything is I eat perfect. a portion and a half, and you get a half. It <laughs> kind of works out fine. Uh, it's just made for us. Blue Apron. Here are some of the meals available in January. Seared pork chops with farro and cranberry chutney. Spaghetti squash and marinara with mushrooms and garlic knots. Uh, Spicy shrimp and Korean rice cakes with cabbage and fura cake. Nice. 
Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com coach. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. That's blueapron.com coach. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Let me say this, you know, I'm a big, my big deal is the culture. Um, and I think Nike is all about culture. You could say what you want. You, you take care of your people, mm-hmm. um, you know, because you know they're going to take care of the company. But you've, you've created that. And it all started with you and how you were because people that don't know you don't realize your competitiveness. I mean, you are like the ultimate mm-hmm. competitor. Tell me what what was the, the the beginning of it? How did you get people to buy in? What was you know, and and again, I'm I'm saying that for me, I do it with small groups. Right. No, it's very similar to uh, to being a coach or, or being around an athletic team, and and we recognized that early on that, uh, uh, and in particularly that uh, some of our early lessons were really from uh, uh, from Japanese companies. From uh, we got a, a basically a Japanese bank ultimately took care of us, and the first shoes were made in Japan. And we said, "How are they successful?" And they work really well together. And I said, "You know, we can't be Japanese, but it has a lot in common with teamwork on, our, on an athletic team." And uh, we just started to operate that way. And, and then uh, what the book kind of shows, there were five of us, uh, myself and four others, that were really sort of. Uh, we had 45 employees. That was the, the management team, and it was more than a management team. It was really a band of brothers that uh, we were all in it together. And, and really, I think the culture to this day comes out of that. Well, you have 50,000 people now. 62,000 now. You're not. You're a, you're a year early. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't <laughs> cut. You're like me. If someone says you have nine wins, I go, "Come on, I got ten. What are you talking about? This team's doing well. <laughs> I'm the same way. Believe me. So tell me. How 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 do you carry it on? How do you, you know, it, it's a different when you talk a band of brothers and everybody's on each other and you're able to say what you want to say and you're able to be open. All right, now how do we do it with that many people? Yeah, no, it gets to be an entirely different management style. I mean, obviously, I don't know them personally, and they're spread out all over the world. But basically, uh, I'm proud to say I think the culture is very similar uh, in uh, in virtually all the offices. It really kind of. It becomes almost organic. It comes out of the company itself. That uh, it's the way it was uh, brought up, and uh, you know, kind of, it's a little bit like your kids. You, you, you bring up a certain way, they grow up that way. And uh, I'm proud to say that we really have a, a really good teamwork culture in our 2,000 people that we have in the Shanghai office. And so, uh, it's just kind of inherent in who we are. Um, I, I've got to say this, and, and people out there listening may not. If you can Google it and it's out there, your Hall of Fame speech moved me talking about Coach Bowerman. It was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. What you said, and I said, if someone would just say two sentences like that about me when I'm done, I'm happy. I did my thing. And it moved me to get to the Hall of Fame to do this coach's circle and all the – it all was about that speech. Um, you know, you had a special bond with that man. I mean, yeah, how, no how, question. just because he challenged you in the book, it doesn't sound like you could really get close, close to him. No. Well, uh, you know, that, that's true. As, as, as one of his athletes, you couldn't, obviously we ultimately then became partners in the, in the business. And, uh, 
So over the years, uh, we became really very close. And uh, I think uh, some psychologists say the whole reason you started the business was to stay close to your old track coach. And uh, there's an element of that. But, you know, he was a huge influence on my life. And, um, you know, obviously, <laughs> I've often said that uh, his, Bill Barman was the coach. He was a 1972 Olympic track coach. And we often said if there is no Bill Barman, there is no Phil Knight. Because obviously, if there had not been a Bowerman, if I had not run for him, I don't know what I'd do, but it would be something entirely different, and there would be no such company as Nike. Well, what? how did he challenge? How You you said he made you do things beyond what you believed you even could do, and, and he, I mean, how? what was his, well, how did he do it? He, uh, the, uh, the first thing, uh, as he always said, the most important thing for a coach is, uh, to get the athlete's attention, and he would have very unique ways of getting your attention. He's around kind of a beast barracks for freshmen, and uh, he was just uh, he could uh, he could do, uh, apply discipline a lot of times when he didn't think it was required. And so he would get your attention, and then uh, but then if he measured up a little bit, he'd start to show a little bit of warmth, and uh, it really registered. And he had a uh, uh, he was very uh, sparing with his praise. And uh, but uh, so the ultimate compliment was nice race. And I remember Jim Grella. Well, when Jim Bailey broke the four minute mile, that's what he said to him. He said, "Nice race." Oh, so if I say that to my players, like you guys expect me to like hug you after a made basket? Come <laughs> that's on, right. Guys. That's right. <laughs> no, know, that it's... was an entirely different era. And and, uh, and I've told you, you've told me before, if any of my players would say what you said about your coach, but. The truth of the matter is they do. They come back to see you long after they've been uh, out of college. Well, that's that's been the fun part for me. Um, you know, I, what I've been able to do, and people don't – sometimes they miss this. Um, being in the green room is like being at a graduation. Yeah. Yet these are families who many times generational poverty – or near that. Yeah. And those lives are now changed forever going forward. And I look at this and what I'm trying to do on a smaller scale than what you've done. Let, let me just ask you, your original secretary that you probably had to pay in stock at times, she did pretty good, didn't she? Yeah, well, it was, it was actually the, uh, the, uh, the woman that designed the, the uh, swoosh. We gave, paid her $35 for the design. And uh, when we went public, we gave her 500 shares of stock, which she never sold, and it's worth over a million dollars now. <laughs> so she ended up making a million. Oh, yeah. And, and it's uh, like, for me, I can't even imagine how many millionaires have been created. Now, they've had to work. it. Nothing right. was given to them. But yeah, it's in the hundreds. this company. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and for me to be able to do what I do in my small little corner of the world and be able to say that if you do right, if you create the right habits, if you're driven and wired, yeah. you can do this. But I can't do it for you. Like, I can't do it for you. I wish I could. I wish I had a magic wand. I don't. And I look at all the people that have gone through. How about Chris Bevilacqua? Yeah. Chris Bevilacqua. Yeah. Do you rem I mean, Chris, and all of a sudden, he goes, he goes to a guy named Mr. Philip Knight and says, why don't we start ESPN TV? And Mr. Philip Knight says, that's, we're not in that business. And he goes and does it outside, right? Is that, uh, is did. that how Absolutely it works? Absolutely, he did. Absolutely. Yeah, and I was, again, I was proud to see his, his great success. He's very successful. And, and you know what's great with you? It makes you, you feel the way good, doesn't it? Doing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, he, be, he is an ambassador 
for you anytime I talk to him. Well, when's the last time you talked to Phil? And I said, well, I haven't talked to him probably a month or so. He goes, call him. What are you doing? Like he is an ambassador. And I think anybody that's been around you that looked at this and said, this was a breeding ground for success. I'm hoping whether it be my assistants or the players, I look at my guys as ambassadors when they leave it. You're, you're similar to that. Yeah, you bet. And you're doing pretty good for a young hook snapper. <laughs> How's your golf game been? Have you been hitting the golf ball? It's terrible, but I, I still get out there. and enjoy it. It's getting worse. If you can imagine such a thing, but, uh, it's, uh, I still enjoy it. Well, Phil, I, I, you know I appreciate you doing this, and I'm not going to keep you. And I just want to tell you I appreciate your friendship, what you've done for more, just not just people, but this profession of what you're in and, and, and how you have inspired. I can't imagine how many people didn't watch and learn and look and read. I would tell anybody. You buy the book. Are you going to do another one by any chance? Oh, I don't know. That's a lot of work. As I said, three years of my life. But I'm not ready to say I am yet. But what? Where? at what year did the book end? 1980, right after we went public. <laughs> we need the other book. <laughs> we need the other book. I've given that book out to friends who have read it in one sitting. Oh, well, that's, a, that's a long book to read it in one sitting. And, and I, I, I mean, it, how many pages was it? 400 pages. I mean, you had people, and I say one sitting, I said, there's no way. They said, look, I went, I read all morning, I had this, and I, it was, you, you did a great job. And again, I appreciate your friendship and everything you've done for me and the programs I've been in. I appreciate you being behind my bench at Final Fours and the, you were there for the national championship and we're in the locker room. I can't begin to tell you. Uh, for all you out there listening to this, I call him the Godfather. And before I do anything, do I call you? You very often do. That's a fact. Very often. If I'm going to hire somebody, and I won't mention names, but you said I asked for your blessing, and what did you say? No. No. You have. You do not have my blessing, and I did not hire that person. But I appreciate you, and you know what? To spend time with me, I, just to do this means a lot to me. Thanks, Phil. Well, thanks very much. I enjoyed it. See you. See you. I hope you you have a when when you listen to Phil Knight and understand one I I'm just appreciative that he would spend time talking with me and the reason is he just doesn't do it I'll say it again what I said at the beginning people at Nike are like how did you in the world did you get him to do this um he is interesting I learned I, just that conversation. There were things that I knew. Can you believe of how we met outside an elevator where he thought I was the doorman? He thought I worked in the hotel. Can you please take me to the Nike suite? Not knowing I'm having anxiety attacks because I'm getting an opportunity to go to the Nike suite and I'm pacing out in the hallway and I don't know what to do to walk in because I'm just four years into my coaching career and here comes Phil Knight. Oh my, I almost passed out. And then he doesn't even know I coach. And he has me walk him to the suite. And finally I say, I'm one of your coaches. But I think because of that, he's remembered me <laughs> the rest of my career and, and basically was a great mentor and supporter for me the rest of my career to this point. Buy that book. 
you will read that thing. And I'm telling you, it may not be one sitting, but I've had people read it on an airplane and just say, I, I was on a long flight and I just kept reading and reading. It kept me going. I just read it. I read it, I think, in two settings, maybe three. Um, great book, great man, great leader, great motivator, great cheerleader, the cultural director for Nike, Phil Knight. I hope you enjoyed it. Let me thank the sponsors again, FedEx, Blue Apron, ZipRecruiter, and my good friend, Papa from Papa John's. Thanks, folks.